Book Twenty One, The Threat, Chapter One. My name is Jake, and I was one sorry cockroach. <coughs> I yelled as I twirled and fell and spun downward toward the ground far below. Not that I could see the ground. Cockroach eyes are strictly for close-up work, and they're not even good at that. So I couldn't see the ground thousands of feet below. Nor could I see Marco, Cassie, Axe, and David, also cockroaches, and also falling through the air. I could hear them, though. Ah! Marco yelled. Ah! Cassie agreed. Only Axe was silent. He's an Andalite. They don't scream quite as much as humans. It's not that they're braver. It's more that they're a telepathic species. So I guess they didn't evolve to do a lot of screaming. We're gonna die! David yelled in thought speak panic. I do not believe the impact will kill us, Elk said. I don't believe our mass is sufficient to cause death when we impact. He's right, Cassie cried. You can't kill a cockroach by dropping him, not even from this high. Unless that's water below us, Marco said. In which case, we could hit the water and get chomped by some big hungry fish. Should we demorph? Axe wondered. No time, I said. We'd get bigger, more mass, and then when we'd hit, we'd. I'd stopped falling. In an instant, something hit me, but it hit me going sideways. A gigantic talon closed around me. That's you guys, right? Rachel's thought speak voice asked calmly. I mean, I figure cockroaches falling through the air gotta be you guys. Yeah, you seldom see cockroaches at a thousand feet up. Tobias agreed. Rachel and Tobias had not been aboard the spacecraft, the spacecraft that had kidnapped the president's helicopter. The one we'd fallen out of, in cockroach morph. Maybe I should back up and explain. It all began when we discovered that the blue box, the morphing cube, had been found by a kid named David. Well, no, actually, it all began much earlier, months ago, when Marco, Cassie, Rachel, Tobias, and I happened to be walking home from the mall by way of an abandoned construction site, which is where we saw the damaged spacecraft landing. And where we met Alfangor, an Andalite prince. Alfangor was dying. His enemies, the Yurks, were hot on his trail. He was out of time. So he did something Andalites don't usually do. He trusted some non-Andalites, namely the five of us. He told us that Earth was being invaded by a race of parasites called Yurks. The Yurks are slugs, really, not very impressive-looking or scary, but they have the ability to enter our brain. Almost any brain, and take control of it—absolute, complete, total control. They've done this to the entire race of Geds from their own home world. They've done it to the Horkbajir. They've done it to the Taxons, and they're trying to do it to Homo sapiens, humans, you and me, all of us. Already, Alfangor said, there were thousands, maybe tens of thousands, of human controllers. That is to say. Humans who had a yerk in their head controlling their words and actions. The invasion was underway. The Andalite forces had been beaten in orbit around Earth, 
It might be a very long time before any more Andalite forces could come. Too long. Basically, if someone was going to stop the Yurks, it would have to be humans. Us. Five normal kids. Five average, everyday, mall crawling, behind on their homework, not sure about their haircuts, awkward around members of the opposite sex, sometimes smart, sometimes dumb. Kids. On the Yurk side, they had faster-than-light spacecrafts, thousands of impossible-to-detect human controllers, Dracon-beam weapons, and seven-foot-tall, bladed, horcruiser warriors. On our side, we had... We had nothing. Except... Except that Alfangor gave us something. The power to morph. The power to become any animal we could touch. He transformed us with the blue box. And since that awful night when Prince Alfangor died at the hands of the Yurk leader, Visitor 3, we have used those powers to fight them. Sometimes we even win. We found Alfangor's younger brother, Aximili. We call him Ax. That made six of us. And that was it. Five kids and one Andalite against the might of the Yurk Empire. Just us six. Until... Until David found the blue box. We assumed it had been destroyed. It hadn't. Now we had it hidden, but too late to stop the trouble that followed. David found the box and bad things started happening. Bottom line, both his parents were taken by the Yurks. They were infested with Yurks. They are both controllers now. What could we do? We had to use the blue box to make David one of us. The sixth Animorph. But the timing could not have been worse. We were just starting on what could be our most vital mission. The leaders of the United States, Japan, Russia, Germany, England, and France were meeting in secret to try and work out the problems in the Middle East. We learned that one of those leaders was in fact a controller, and we knew that all the rest were targeted by the Yurks. The Yurks were going to try to use this conference to infest the leaders of the entire free world. If we let that happen, that was the ballgame. Earth was done for. We had to try and stop it. On our way to scope out the Marriott Resort where the meeting was supposed to happen, we saw a stealth-shielded Yurk spacecraft kidnap the President's helicopter. Or maybe it wasn't the actual President's helicopter. It might have been a decoy. Confused yet? Not as confused as we were. The Yurk stunned everyone on the chopper and then used holographic projections to make it look like the helicopter was still flying along. They dragged someone from the helicopter. Someone with a gash in the bottom of his shoe. Look. We were all cockroaches at the time. The shoe was all we could see. We assumed the Yurks would infest this guy. The president, or whoever it was. But no. Visser 3 merely acquired his DNA so he could morph him. See, Visser 3 is the only Yurk in all the galaxy to have managed to take control of an Andalite body. He's the only Yurk who can morph. Now he could morph Mr. Slashshoe, whoever he was. Sigh. Do you see why my grade point average has dropped? I have to deal with this kind of stuff. It's enough to make your head explode. But at least we didn't splat or end up as fish food. Tobias and Rachel snagged us out of thin air and carried us to safety. Now all we had to do was deal with our possibly strange new anamorph, David, while finding a way to save the leaders of the free world. And not get killed. Something's bothering me. Marco said as Tobias and Rachel set us safely down in the secluded area between sand dunes. What's bothering you? I said. Well, I'm in a cockroach body, 
just fell out of the bottom of a spacecraft belonging to brain-stealing alien slugs while trying to save the President of the United States, was rescued by a girl who's temporarily a bald eagle, and a guy who's permanently a red-tailed hawk. And yet, it all seems normal somehow. Like, okay, that's just to be expected. It's finally happened, hasn't it? What's finally happened? I asked. I've gone insane, Marco said. Deedly, 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 loopy. Nutso. Insane in the membrane. Yeah, well, keep it together, I said, trying to sound like the leader I supposedly am. The entire human race depends on us winning this battle. Poor human race, Marco said. It was a joke. Just not a very funny one. Chapter 2 We demorphed in the dunes. Five of us had no problems. One of us had a serious problem. Rachel, Cassie, look the other way, I said. David was the new anamorph. He had not yet learned how to morph clothing. Actually, none of us could morph it very well. We could only morph skin-tight clothing that ended up being a kind of mishmash of bike shorts, leotards, and t-shirts. Basically, in our morphing outfits, we looked pathetic. But not as pathetic as poor David. I'll take care of it, Tobias said. He flapped away, catching the salt-heavy breeze off the water and soaring up and out of sight beyond the dunes. Tobias was still a hawk. Tobias may always be a hawk. He spent more than two hours in the morph and was trapped in it. Now he has regained his morphing powers, but he cannot return to being permanently human without losing his ability to morph. I do not understand humans and their strange beliefs when it comes to clothing, Ak said. He was still in his own endolite form. His four hooves sank deep in the sand. Tobias would let us know if anyone was coming close enough to see Axe. You wear artificial skin and artificial hooves. When it is cold, that makes sense. But when it is warm, it seems strange. And you get so concerned when some article of clothing is missing or worn in the wrong way. You mean like that time you wore socks on your hands? Marco asked him. Or the time you wore underwear on the outside of your pants? Rachel added, still discreetly turned away. You know, maybe this is funny to you guys, David said. But it's not at all funny to me. What if someone came along? I laughed. Well, David, if they did, I think they'd probably notice the four-eyed, scorpion-tailed, blue, half-deer-looking alien before they worried about you. Just then, Tobias swept in on the breeze, turned, dropped toward us, and let loose a pair of swim trunks, orange, and a t-shirt bearing a Grateful Dead logo. Both had price tags still attached. David snagged them before they hit the ground. Remind me we have to return those to Kahuna Beach Shop, Tobias said. You stole them? Cassie asked. No, I borrowed them. Besides, I'm a bird. Birds are not capable of stealing. What are they going to do? Arrest me? We'll find a way to get the money to the store, I said. We don't want to ever start down that path. In an emergency like this, maybe we can grab something. But we have to make it right later. That's the rule. David dressed quickly and Cassie and Rachel were allowed to turn around. 
About time, Rachel muttered. I've been staring at a dead sand crab. You know, it would be amazing, David said. What would be? I asked. He shrugged. Us? With our powers? We could take anything we wanted. We could, like, morph into cheetahs or whatever, run into some jewelry store, grab the diamonds, and get away at 60 miles an hour. What could anyone do? We'd be out of there. Plus, we'd morph back to humans. Let's do that, Marco said dryly. Right after we figure out how to keep the Yurks from turning the most powerful leaders in the world into alien-infested zombies. As soon as we're done with that, we start ripping off jewelry stores. Hey, I was just kidding, David said. I guess I forgot you're the only one allowed to make jokes, Marco. I glanced at Marco. Was he mad at the shot? Yes, a little. I looked at David. He had been kidding, right? Later, I'd have to talk to Cassie about it. Cassie was a lot better at knowing what people were thinking and feeling than I was. She'd know. Hopefully. In the meantime, I had to remember to treat David like any other member of the group. It wasn't so bad that David and Marco didn't totally get along. There were times when we all got on one another's nerves. It was natural. Okay, time to get serious here, I said. They caught us by surprise. Maybe they know that was us scurrying around up there. Maybe they don't. But one way or the other, we have to get inside that resort and get busy. We have to get past the greatest security in the world just to get into that place, Rachel said. We have to go by air, but we can't use bird of prey morphs. That'd be slightly noticeable. No problem, Cassie said. It's the beach. There's one kind of bird no one can keep off the beach. Seagulls. Yeah, well, I don't have a seagull morph, David pointed out. But I'll bet I could morph back into golden eagle morph and bring one down. I winced a little at his eagerness. The basic idea was sound. Only there was no need to have David morph again. Tobias? I yelled up to him. He was riding the breeze, almost stationary above us. He spilled air and dropped down closer. Sorry to keep sending you out for things, but can you get a seagull? Alive? Cassie added. Can I grab a goal? Please. Can Michael Jordan hit a three-pointer? They're just rats with wings. Tobias is like really into the whole bird thing, isn't he? David commented. Tobias just has some fairly definite opinions about birds, I said. He respects most eagles, owls, and other hawks. Looks down on gulls and pigeons. And he absolutely hates jays, crows, and golden eagles. David laughed. He's like a racist or something, only with birds instead of people. All those birds are different species, Cassie pointed out. Humans are all one species. Not really a very good comparison. David shrugged and looked a little sullen. Whatever. I started to say something, then stopped myself. I was feeling edgy and strange. We were about to try to violate a resort with security that would make Fort Knox look like a Walmart during a clearance sale. We were up against security from France, Britain, Japan, Germany, Russia, and the United States. Plus, we were competing against the Yurks, who had already infiltrated the place to some extent. And I was going in with no plan, no clue, and a new guy I wasn't totally used to yet. 
How would this guy do in a battle? How would he do when it got really rough? He'd done okay when we were roaches being chased around. He hadn't panicked. But things could get worse. They could get way worse. I noticed Cassie looking at me, reading the worry on my face. I looked up at the sky like I was searching for Tobias. When I lowered my face again, I had on my fearless leader expression. No point in making everyone else nervous too. Tobias actually did appear just then, carrying a squirming, kicking, flapping, very, very annoyed seagull in his talons. That was actually fun, Tobias said with a laugh. Snatched him out of midair while he was diving on some guy's sandwich. And as much as I so did not want to, I acquired the goal. David's not the only one without a goal morph. Cassie took the poor goal from Tobias and comforted it. Cassie handles lots of animals. She brought it to David. I'm starting to get this down, David said, pressing one hand against the goal's wing. Just focus and his DNA is mine. Yeah, I agreed. Easy after a while. So let's do it. We morph to goals, we skim on down the beach, and land in the resort. See what we see. One big point, Cassie said. Act like goals, okay? The humans won't be looking for trouble from seagulls, but the Yurks will. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and welcome to Book 2 of the David Saga. Uh, we, we are just continuing to truck along. Good stuff. Uh, that David character, I don't know. I don't know about him. Uh, I did get some mail this week. This is from Amelia, who I believe, if I'm putting some, some context clues here together, is the daughter of Joe, who was written in previously about how he and his daughter listened to this podcast. Auditory experience, whatever you want to call it. I think this is her. I, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm incorrect, but uh, she has written it in. Uh, I love Animorphs. It's the best podcast ever. My favorite character's axe. I love it when he eats cinnamon buns. Uh, and then, which character is my favorite? Uh, axe is great. Thank you for writing in, Amelia. I agree. When he eats cinnamon buns, it is very funny. Um, do you ever wish you could, like, experience something the way Axe has experienced cinnamon buns, you know? Uh, just that, like, that experience for the first time. It's a rare thing. Actually cherish that. Uh, but as far as who my favorite character is, uh, I, I like them all a lot, but I think I identify the most with Marco. Uh, he's short. I'm short. He uses comedy. I like to think I'm pretty funny. I don't know. It seems like uh, I, I identify with him, I think. Um, and I, I also like his character, um, the, the guy who is willing to be, uh, ruthless when, when it's needed. I think it's an interesting, it's also interesting, and, and they do compare it a little bit in, in the previous book, too. Um, him and Rachel often see eye to eye because Marco, at the end of the day, is a pragmatic, pragmatist, uh, who's willing to get his hands dirty if that's what it takes to protect him and his and Rachel, of course, is uh, the warrior who is always ready for a fight. 
Um, it's just interesting. They're both the kind of the gray characters of the group. Um, yeah, I like him. I think he's complex. Uh, I've rambled on long enough. You you know the rest of this. Um, thank you for listening. If you use Apple Podcasts and like to leave me a rating review, I sure would appreciate it. Um, you know, you can reach out to me the way Amelia did. Uh, she reached out to me through my website, theapodcalypse.com. That's the apodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with the D in the middle. You can also reach me through Gmail, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, as well as on Twitter, at audiomorphs. And that Twitter is what you'd want to pay attention to if I'm ever late with something. That's where I'll announce what's going on. Uh, I think I should start saying that in these end of note stuff. I think that's all I got. That's all I feel like saying. So um, thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next week as we continue this book. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>